You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424. 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV Scandal After Show. Yo yo yo! What's up, gladiators? You know this is a very special episode um, that we have tonight because. Scandal wasn't even on tonight, but you guys requested for us to be here to do a bonus show in addition to last week's after show. So we're very excited to be here. Um, And it wasn't any inconvenience. We love doing the after show. So, of course, if you guys request it, we're going to do it sometimes. But (laughs) (laughs) it's because we had an extra day that we weren't on normally. So (laughs) (laughs) but uh, once again, we're going to recap Scandal season two episode to the other woman woman and we're going to cover some of the topics that we missed last week and if you want to continue the discussion or what was it we talked a lot about the pastor drake storyline last week so if you want to see that and see our special guest um elise neil you can watch last week's after show episode or listen on itunes um but before we do anything else i'm your host emil Innis jr and i'm joined here as always with my three amazing co-hosts hey what's up everybody i'm Cornelia. hi Hey, Gladiators, I'm Sophia Stanley. And I am Bam Erickson. And, um, you know, we were looking at the comments on YouTube and iTunes. And first of all, thank you guys so much for leaving those comments. Um, And we're not going to do Scandal Pace today because, like I said, this is a continuation of last week. Um, But everybody was saying, you know, we loved the interview and we loved your show last week, but we felt you couldn't really get into the details of some of the storylines. So we want to really break them down this week. So we're going to start with Huck. And, you know, Huck has been going through this whole emotional state where he was already struggling with i guess he was over the whole cia dealing with his little killings and assassinations and all that stuff he dealt with in his career and you know olivia kind of put him on the straight and narrow has him doing like investigative work and in the office and stuff but now she let him off his yeah she let him off his leash Mm -hmm. On last season, when he had to go take care of the whole Amanda Tanner thing and figure out what happened with that, and then we met Charlie and everything. So, ever since then, Huck has been in this weird, distressed state because he got back to his natural high where he wanted to do this, and now we see that he's really struggling. This is the first time we've seen this season where he's really, really struggling with this, where we don't know if he's going to be able to to cope. Um, So, let's talk about how it started. He was at an AA meeting. Obviously, his addiction is not alcohol his addiction is killing and yeah like when you i was at home and i rewatched it yeah and while i was watching him in the aa scenes i was thinking do you know how serious it has to be to be addicted to murdering people like we see him at these meetings people talking about you know drinking vodka and they can't control themselves huck can't control his urge to want to murder people that's (laughs) totally on a, a whole different level like, you know how dark you have to be? That's a dark place to be in when you're, you know, you have the urge and the desire to want to just end someone's life. That's serious. The whole time I was watching, it, I was like, whoa. Like, I didn't really think about it like that. I was just like, okay, we let him off his leash. Huck is, you know, he's struggling. But I was like, yo, he is a murderer and he's addicted to it. Right. And he was put into this situation by the government. And I'm going to take it one step further. I think it's not even just that he likes murdering. I think he likes the torture aspect. I think there's a there's a very big difference between killing in the name of your government because you are in war or or protecting something and you simply take a gun and you shoot someone. That's not what he's good at. He's good at the torturing. He's good at pulling things out of people by any means possible. And in season one, he mentions there's an art form to it. And he's extremely good at it. And I think that more importantly, it shows the psychological damage in the fact that he said 
they 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 recruit you because they basically give you this facade that it's fun. What's worse is it becomes fun. And so I think the fact that not only is he addicted to murdering and addicted to torturing, I think it's almost sad that he has nowhere to go other than to this AA meeting. So it seems funny, but it's yeah. really not because he he's that lost that that's the only space he feels that he's somehow protected by anonymity to express himself and he's and he's not even. It's yeah. it's still a lie and I think it's extremely sad. Um what was interesting when they were trying to figure out how they want how they were going to cover up the reverend's murder, Olivia asked Huck how how would he go about to do this? And he he psycho um, very in a psychotic way starts to describe all of the tools and things that they'll need in order to kill him or to make it appear like he was killed. But when in actuality, Olivia just wanted to move his dead body to the first um, to the first lady's house. And so you can you can tell like he was when he was describing all of the things of what he needs and he just kind of broke it down. You could look at him and tell how he was really excited about what he was about to do. And then once Olivia was like, no, we're going to take his body and we're going to move it over to his house where that was not, you knew that that was not as fun for him. And well, even with that, I'm sorry, Mel. I want Olivia to step up with Huck. Because exactly what I was about when to say. he said this and he said, I need a bone saw, yada, 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 30 blankets, um, dirty towels. She, at that moment, she was just like, no, we're just going to move him. She should have been like, come here, let's talk. Let's exactly. Pull, come to the side with and me, brother. And she should have I, sat him down. And at that moment, you remove him from that situation. Even She's in the office, though, even in the office, remember, they had the scene where he was trying to talk to her and open up to his friend that he's known for years. I feel like she's not stepping up because she's dealing with all these other issues. And she is supposed to be this fixer, fix your friend, help him out. Clearly, he's in need and you're not there for him. Yeah, because that's not normal. When he said, when he started talking about how he was going to chop up the pastor's body. Right. That may be normal for Huck, but for all of them to have been there and no one was like, this dude is ridiculous. And that's a lot to chop up. And and I think there's a big difference. Before he would have said how someone else would do it. Mm -hmm. He literally was rolling his sleeves up. He was literally about to do it. And not only did he do the laundry list and the industrial strength um, saw, but then he even said, and two cups of coffee... It's going to be a long day. And he smirked. He was smiling, yeah. He smirked. So he was really, like, he was he was actually transforming. And I completely agree with both of you. The fact that Olivia at that moment didn't stop everything, I agree with you, and remove him. And then even the next scene when they're actually at the Drake residence, even as he's kind of, you know, fluffing up the bed and Olivia was like, okay, Huck, He's still off. Like he's taking a, a a second too long because I think he's not he's not back in his normal Huck persona. What he's I, he's still the other person because I think he's actually going through withdrawal and I think I, that's what's happening. What I also thought was a little off is when he jumped on the bed and he kind of like fluffed it. Yeah, a little bit for her, and she's like, "Huck." (laughs) So I, he is a little off, but I do disagree with you in the sense that Olivia should have stopped what she was doing because you, he's very, um, he's very sensitive. And I don't think that would have been the appropriate time for Olivia to stop what she's doing and go and talk to him. I think in his particular situation or as it appears to be, I don't think by Olivia going and pulling him to the side is going to do anything. She has her she has her own way of communicating with him. Well, just but, like but just like but it's not effective. She's not doing it effectively. That's number 1. Yeah. Number 2, let's also we can, we can never gloss over that he has a military training. So in a weird way, you need to snap him out of it. Like you need to go at that route because that's what she's done. She's now asked him to go back into that CIA operative world. No matter what, she is his leader her, she is the head gladiator so if the head gladiator speaks in a certain ter- tone he'll listen that's what he's always done she's not actually speaking to him in that tone she's actually more like huh i was just gonna we're on the same page yeah. because i feel like last thing like <laughs> when she talks to him if you've noticed it hasn't been like after she let him off his leash it's not like okay huck you can't do this anymore it's like huck are you sure you're okay do, yeah. do you need my help with it no 
turn on your gladiator's light or whatever. Same, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it will work. It will work because if she gets stern with him and says, hug, you need help, then he will get help. It's not, if you come up to a friend and you say, hey, Cornelia, I know you have this, uh, this little addiction with this, you know, if you need any help, I'm here for you. As opposed to get your act together. It's called or intervention. The same, way, the same way that David's uh, boss pulled him from the job. Right. You don't have to pull Huck from the job, but give him other job assignments. If somebody's I, at I, work and they're not doing good in that area and they're struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. you take them out of the area and you put them in, an, in another area that they're still good at, but that they'll do, you know, that they can get better in. And the same way Olivia talked to Stephen about getting his life together and marrying the, the his wife is the same thing she could do with Huck, but with his problems. Olivia is not stepping up as a friend. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she, she hasn't said anything to Huck about his problem. She just said, are you okay? But she hasn't said anything. She could at least be like, listen, Huck, I'm worried about you. I'm really worried about you. What is really good? She hadn't even said that. I think we can go on about this uh, forever and ever. And I'm not going to counteract, but I disagree. So that's it. Yeah, and I think, the, and then I think the only, I think, and the only other important parts too is that when when Huck goes to California mm-hmm. to get Quinn, I think that when they were at the hotel room or at the hotel setting, and he basically was like, "This is where they took you. Um, you know, you're deceased. They did things to you, and let's go home." I think that he was talking to himself mm-hmm. as much as he was talking to Quinn. Like I think he's he's trying to rework his brain into the old Huck, which is the good Huck who only hacks into things via a computer and not with a hacksaw. Why didn't Quinn have more questions when he was mentioned, when he was uh, speaking in regards to what he knew in regards to her situation? I, I felt like she should have been a little bit. She's but very she's very inquisitive with, with Olivia. She wants to know answers. I feel like at this point, though, she's like, OK, nobody's going to tell me anything. He's telling me go back home. My life here is over. My dad won't talk to me. I might as well go back. Maybe one day they'll tell me eventually. So, but Hug did reveal this is where they had you. This is where you would. T- I mean, well, no, she, she knew, knew she that. woke up she there. She knew that. She knew that. That's yeah. why she went there. Yeah, and that's why nobody she there. really asks Hug questions. If you really I, look at it, they <laughs> no, don't ask true. him anything no. unless it's about hacking into something. What happened here, Hug? How did they kill this person? Stuff like that. But they don't ask Huck. Like, they act. The only thing they asked him was Abby. She said something like, What is Olivia hiding? Or something. And he said, She said to trust her, and we trust her. And then that's when she called him a company man. That was it. They don't ask him anything. He kind of skates under the radar. Well, we saw when he went to the second AA meeting. This is when he, like, He's in a bad state. Like, he's so troubling. He was, when he was talking about the whiskey and, like, his addiction to it, how he's so good at it, just seeing his face, which props to Guillermo Diaz. He's such an amazing actor. But yeah. just seeing him talk about this, it's, I'm really worried for him because we don't know where it's going to go. I agree. It's going downhill. It com- it's going completely downhill. You have to go down before you get up. And Huck is on a he's on Is a he going to sacrifice an associate? I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 That'd be messed up. My eyes like popped out of my head. Really? I don't think. Oh. I think. I think he'll hit rock bottom because, like an an, an addict, you got to hit bottom before you can, you know, try to heal yourself. And Huck hasn't hit bottom yeah. yet at all. I agree. And given the fact that he's actually not able to even talk about his issue, so that even he's 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 putting a bandaid on it, but he's not really dealing with it. And even I come just have to to second what you said. Guillermo Diaz's acting is on a whole other level because it's almost as if. Like, you could see the other person trying to come out of his physical being, but yet he was so composed and constrained at the same time. It was brilliant. But it, it, was, it was sad, because even the way he said, yeah, uh, let's call it whiskey. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want to keep drinking whiskey. Like, it's almost like he's he, he actually wants that. That's what he wants his addiction to be. So he's almost trying to take his addiction down a level by trying to make it be like, okay, maybe if I just train myself that I'm just an alcoholic versus a murderer, maybe I can get through this. I'm just hoping that he doesn't turn that hit rock bomb and then turn the torture and the pain towards himself. Because I can see that happening, too. I think it's already happening. Yeah. Well, really quickly in regards to Huck. When Huck auditioned for this particular um, for this role, his um, his audition was a like a two to three page monologue, mm-hmm. and it goes into some of the things that we saw in episode one when he had the breakdown talking to uh, Charlie. Charlie. And so Shonda said in the special features how she was really bummed that you know here he did he gave this two three page monologue and they really 
cut everything out because of of the of, the, of his character. So that portion that uh, that he was speaking to Charlie with, that was actually what he um, did in his audition for his monologue. So they just took a little bit of that, and uh, Shonda, I did believe she kind of equated to the fact that we're gonna start to see in season two what Huck is about, which is why it makes sense now we're starting to see uh, more character development for Huck and what he's going through in his past. And that's a good point as far as bringing up the special features because don't forget we're still giving away um, a DVD signed by Katie Lowe's, Kerry Washington, and Guillermo Diaz. Um, And we're going to reveal in about three weeks how you can win that, so keep watching. But also, what you can do is go to iTunes. And when you go to iTunes, search for Scandal After Buzz TV. And you can rate, comment, and subscribe and share yeah, rate, comment, subscribe, and share. Uh, five stars, please, if you would. And, you know, I just have to say thanks to all the people who will shout you out later, but thanks to all the people who rated and commented this week. we got so many, and we're in the top ten again for quite some time. I think we hit number two this week. Did we get to number one? I don't think so. I don't know. Don't number know. two is number one for Gladiator. <laughs> yes. Nice job. But we do want to get to number one, number one, for real, though. <laughs> but, uh, but once again, thank you for uh, for doing that. And if you um, have a Apple-related device, you can download the podcast app. And what that does is it puts all your podcasts into one neat little app. And we'll tell you about some of the great um, after shows we have later on the show. Um, but make sure you do that. And we really do appreciate you guys. We love you. And we hope to see well, we can't see you, but we hope you listen to us and see us. <laughs> we can see your comments. We can see your comments. Yeah, thanks again, though. Um, but let's talk about David. Um, you know, ever since episode one, I remember at the end of episode one, we said this was going to be a tense relationship because of the way it ended in that episode where Olivia kind of undermined the whole situation and took a different route to where David was completely blown away and confused as to how she got that kind of power to make the Quinn case go away. Um, And in this episode, and I know our main frustration was Olivia is still treating David as if he's a friend and as if nothing happened. Um, And I think she needs to realize, you know, she definitely can't call him a friend anymore because of what you did. You know, you don't... As I was watching, as I was watching the episode before we got here, David is very pissed off at Olivia. But there is just... A tinge of, I hate you, but you are almost my friend still. Like there's there's a, a there's a tinge in his voice where he still almost kind of wants to have her be her friend, and just even his sarcasm when she calls, and I think he says something like, um, I, "I hope the news is that you're dead" or something. He goes, "Please be dying. Are you dying?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, because it's a little bit, they are still, they're not friends, but they are because it's a little bit of intrigue too. Like, how is she doing this? And like, I'm kind of admire you. I still respect you, but go ahead. Yeah, she has also, a lot of nerve. But I think also, um, Bam brings up a good point because I think actually in his sarcasm, what he's waiting for is an apology. apology. Mm-hmm. And I think he's in, he, and I think in his sarcasm, he's waiting for an apology. He's waiting for an explanation. So yes, I think that the foundation of their friendship was solid. And I think that ironically, he's He's being a better friend. Mm -hmm. So on a friend standpoint, he's winning on the friend standpoint. I think the problem is when you intermingle the friend and the personal relationship, just, you know, just jumping back to episode one for a second, when he says, you know, we used to be sparring partners during the day and drinking buddies at night. And then even, you know, in this episode, he basically was like, yeah, you know, you pour good bourbon, but so does the dive bar down the street. Like he basically is realizing what I got from you doesn't make up for how you're treating me as well as the fact that let's not forget Olivia is a fixer for a reason and she purposely doesn't work at a law firm so that she can exist outside of the the quote unquote the letter of the law David is the exact opposite he works for the US attorney's office let's put that into perspective he is the law and that's I think he said that several times he literally wears the white hat so for him to potentially be in a situation where he knows that there was such an egregious injustice and for her just to pick up the phone and ask for a favor and then what's worse is she messed up mm-hmm. because at the end of the day if she had never called him before finding out sure more facts exactly. then there would have never potentially been an autopsy because of course now he is not under non-disclosure, but fully knows that he received a phone call that he was missing and then ended up in the bed. That obviously is a big mistake because obviously the wife is going to check the bed first. And right. so not only does he know that Olivia is involved, he now is seeing more and more to what length she will go 
<laughs> to bend the law. And if you notice on the episode in the beginning, like Bam said, there's a little part of her that or a part of David that's kind of her friend. But at the end of the episode, when he got laid off from his job, mm-hmm. that friendship is gone. And it started when in the middle of the episode, when she was talking to him about the autopsy, she said, kill the autopsy. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Yada, yada, yada. And she said, it'll be in your something. I'm something. telling you to let this one go. Yeah. It's only going to make it worse for you. And then he goes, who the hell do you think you are? Exactly. At that point, like it's only going to make it worse for you. To, that sounded like I am your ruler. Like I, I'm do, everything that's happened to you. I'm doing it to you. So stop it right now, or I have more coming. That's right. not a friend. I completely agree. Olivia Disagree. needs to leave David alone. She's only making it worse for herself and for everybody around her because now everything that she has done has led up to David being, you know, put on leave. Now he has more time Free to time. pursue her and to figure out. What really happened? She needs to. She just need leave this. Leave him alone. Well, we'll get to the him leaving and uh, about David leaving work in a second. But I, I slightly disagree with you, just because I do think that there is a, a awkward friendship, and part of their friendship is who can beat who at, um, who can. It's like a. It's like a competition. Well, I agree I think, with you. Go I ahead, Amelia. I think it would be a competition if what she did didn't potentially ruin his career right now. Mm-hmm. Like he said to uh, he said to his boss, the, 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 the trial basically destroyed my career. Like it, this put him in the hole. Now he's at a dive bar, like Sophia said, drinking. This put him down. He has no credibility. He doesn't know what's going on. Everybody's playing him because he got laid off. Olivia's playing him. He doesn't know who to really look to. This like that's not friendship. I think at at the end of this episode, to me, I was like, you know what, that's done. She and just needs to leave him alone. Think about it this way: there's been so many times, especially in season one, where David could have taken down Olivia Pope and Associates, and he always had her back. But as soon as she has an opportunity where it's gonna mess up one of her friends or associates, ever, she immediately goes for making sure that Quinn's okay or her her company's okay or she's okay and she doesn't get in trouble and she's still the fixer mm-hmm. with no regards to how it's going to affect him. So exactly. that's not a friend. Exactly. And remember, she had the opportunity to stop the trial before it happened. Mm-hmm. He came to her as a friend, as a compadre, and basically said, yo, tell me what's going on because you know that if I take this to trial, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to win. And she basically said, like, kick rocks. Like, you wear your ha- white hat and I'll wear mine. You can't have that type of flip attitude with a friend. And again, the fact that she's the one who brought him into it, on, into this, he would have never called for the autopsy if she had never called him. So she keeps bringing him in, pushing him away. Bringing him in, pushing him away. I think, yeah, she's created an enemy. And now that he doesn't have a job, it, that's it. The thing, too, that with... This is going to lead into quickly with Abby. Olivia is hiding all these secrets and being so shady with everybody. Eventually, people are going to want to start investigating and saying, what is going on? What is really going on? And we see that. I'm thinking. David. Yeah, David. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, Abby is starting to really get pissed off. Like, how are you doing this? I'm not going to be this blind follower that doesn't know what's going on and how you're doing all this stuff without trying to figure out what you're doing. Especially when um, it was a scene where Pastor Drake, quickly, when they were saying, you know, if they do the autopsy, yeah, we could potentially get arrested. Yeah. And Olivia just kind of blew it away like it was nothing. No, 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 no. We can get arrested and yeah. go to jail. Like, but I think, and I think this is the problem is, is that I think that obviously, and it will it will play itself out within this season that Olivia knows things that other people don't know, mm-hmm. and she carries a burden, and she feels like she is the only one strong enough to carry this burden. I understand that. However, I think that because this burden is so eating at who she is and at her soul, she's not, she's not, the facade isn't as, as fixable as it normally is. So I think that normally, for lack of a better phrase, she handles people better. I think she's not handling people better. That's why Steven's gone. She's not, she's not effectively communicating with Abby. And that's why Abby is getting snarkier and snarkier. Abby is in essence, becoming Steven, but just from Abby's perspective. Mm-hmm. She is the voice of reason. She's morally saying, well, but how? And when she asks about the autopsy, it's handled. But how? How how did they fix this this trial? Like, it's, it's at a level where, just like Emil said, people are going to start asking questions, and she's not... 
she's not appreciating or respecting people enough to give them anything. Right. You need to give them something, even if it's a lie. Right. Mm-hmm. She's giving them nothing, mm-hmm. and I think it's 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 going to come come to a head even worse than it did in season one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. She could have lied. Yeah. Even about the autopsy, tell Abby anything. You Thank know you. what? Uh, David, figure something out. Right. Yada, exactly. yada, yada. Mm, it's dead. Yep. Okay, cool. She was yep. just like, I got it handled and yeah. walked out. Yeah. Stop it. Like, she's well, causing trouble for herself. Yeah. And they're going to find out because, like, we yeah. ended with the, the whole David thing. David's investigating his apartment. If you, any of you guys watch Homeland? Mm-mm. Well, in Homeland, the the main character does this whole investigating thing throughout the season. But tell us about some of the, the after shows. Well, I mean, though. that's a great segue. Um, You know, we all obviously love Scandal Gladiators, but we do several shows here at AfterBuzz TV. And especially now, fall is when so many new amazing shows start, one of which that we do is Homeland. Um, and then we actually have a lot of shows that are extremely dark, talking about Huck. We have Dexter. We have Vampire Diaries. We have American Horror Stories. I'm going to say Jersey Shore, but just kidding. <laughs> Jersey Shore is actually a little bit more lighthearted, but, you know, it can kind of be a little gruesome, um, you know, especially in the jacuzzi. Um, we also have Castle and Vegas and 90210 and 666 Park Avenue and we also have The Walking Dead so you know check those shows out check us out on uh, www.afterbuzztv.com or you can also go to iTunes because all of our podcasts for all of the shows that I mentioned are there and more importantly you know just if you watch Scandal watch Scandal always tell a friend and tell a friend and tell a friend or if you watch any of the other shows you know Walking Dead Homeland Dexter then also make sure to check out our podcast on iTunes and with those shows as well tell a friend awesome um so now a really quick beat with the David so when David was um, when David got the news that he had to take a break mm-hmm. do you think who, who do you think was a whose idea you think that was that had him um, well the, I know the boss said it was his boss and then his boss's boss all came into agreement but I don't think it was necessarily like Olivia or a Supreme Court just doing anything to get him fired or on leave it's just a matter of fact that because of the how high profile the case was and his reaction and what he I guess the way he was reacting in the office and how he was so focused on trying to figure out what Olivia did. It's like you need to take a break because you won't be able to take another case or focus on your job. And I actually disagree. Really? I totally yeah, I totally think it was Olivia and the powers that be. And I think that's why she said it that way. And I think that it just it was going to happen regardless, mm-hmm. but I think the manner in which it happened was even, and I feel sorry for David because I think that David really, you know, feels that he's on the side of right. So when he ca- comes in and says, you know, what is it? Your boss's 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 boss. Like I need to know who it is. Even that now he's starting to overstep his bounds because he needs to respect the hierarchy within his U.S. attorney office structure. So that's the first thing. And then even, you know, I love his one liners, but when he says, what is it like, you know, some brain in a bowl with a bowl, like a bowl of jello like that's flip and that's cool with olivia but not necessarily to your boss um and i think then he realizes okay cool the autopsy's off but i need to know how it was done think about what you're asking and let's just lawyer it for a second there's certain things you don't need to know Mm -hmm. because it's plausible deniability once you know now you're not only part of the conspiracy but if i've done something wrong and you know what i've done you're now a threat to me Hmm. so at the end of the day you continuing to investigate Obviously, someone got to them. Someone got to them, at just like he said, at the highest level. The fact that he's orating that, mistake number one. The fact that he's pushing and wants to know why or how or who, mistake number two. Because they're going to get him. And because, back to Olivia, if the powers that be, whoever's uh, you know dealing with Olivia, did pull the plug on David and have him laid off, as Olivia the Fixer, she should have known if you give David idle time to yep. do nothing when he's already upset and trying to figure out what I did and what's going on, now he has the time to do that. It would have been better for her to or whoever to let him stay at work, agree. let yeah. him dig his own grave because now, you, you guys know, people at home, when you get laid off, you right. don't know what to do. You just start fiddling, trying to figure out stuff to do. You watching shows that you never seen before. Right. David has everybody's picture on his wall like a <laughs> yeah. serial killer. Yeah. yeah, he is like he is to the max with this with this scandal and trying to figure it out. It would that's when Olivia she should have known and she's slipping. I think she's slipping on every level. Yeah. I agree. Well, let's talk about the the two storylines that we've been waiting for that 
everybody in the comments was so upset we didn't talk about. Uh, so first, we want to address Melly and Fitz. And this time, and I noticed in every single scene that we've seen her in this episode, yeah, every single scene, she has her hand on her belly, obviously addressing the president's baby. The big, um, the big mother wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, it started in the Oval Office, and this is where they cut to the chase because the you know the president obviously is so focused on olivia he doesn't even see melly as his wife anymore he kind of just sees or he sees it as his wife but there's no love there there's no connection there it's just political and they're in the oval office and she comes in to break the news about pastor drake and he says let's cut to the chase you know let's skip all the um the arguing right before and you just tell me what you have to tell me and she breaks the news that pastor drake died and he was a big endorser and all this stuff um and how, you know, you have more important things to do, like run the world. Right. Yeah. But this is when the tension started. I, I can't say something because I'll address the comment later. But what do you guys? He doesn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one, when you're married yeah. to someone, you, if, you, if you talk to older couples and they say, you know, you ask them, how does your relationship keep going? They say something like, you know, we have that love and through, you know, the tough times and the, and the good times. I still like him. I still like her. He does not like her and the person that she is. Right. The question is, is it because of Olivia or did he not always like who she was and just dealt with it thinking that things will change? Because when she came in that office, he like he looked like it was like that intern that you want to get fired. You're like, get out of my office. I mean, that's ba- I mean, basically, that's what he said, though. Yeah. Because he basically was like, can we skip to the end to he you leaving? Like her. He was like, to you leaving. Yeah. Not even like we need, we don't even need to have a, a discussion. Basically, let's skip to the end, which means you turning around and yeah. leaving. I do not think that he likes her. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think, he, I, I don't think the president likes his wife. And I don't think that it, it has, I don't think Olivia is the only reason. Their relationship has been dead yeah. for many, many, many years. But what I was going to say was when you said. It's just more apparent now. Yeah, I was going to say when you said, I don't know if he ever liked her. Just skipping, I know I'm jumping to the end, but when they're in the limo. She addressed that because she was trying to tuck his strings. She says, I'm still at... Do you have the quote at all? I do, I do, I do. Um, blah, 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 blah. She goes, um, do you remember when we first got married, our place on Morgan Street? Mm-hmm. Um, it was cold. We used to basically get under an electric blanket. It was warmer on, in that bed than any other room in the house. And so basically when she asked for forgiveness, she basically says... Somewhere deep inside exactly. here, I'm still that girl on Morgan Street. So I'm still the girl that you married. Like, basically, can we get to back to that place? But this is where I think it gets tricky. I think that Camelia and Bam are 100% correct that he doesn't like her. But I think it actually goes deeper than that. I think he doesn't respect her. And I think the problem is where Olivia fits into it is twofold. I think they definitely had a marriage of convenience. But that actually makes it too, too simple. It was a partnership. The reason they got together, and several several fans have said that they want to get to know, you know, Fitz and Melly's parents, because I think we'll have a better understanding of how it is that mm-hmm. they got together. But I think that they had a game plan, right? And when you basically two partners, you come and you're like, this is what I have to offer. This is what I have to offer. I come together. Then you have a common goal. What Olivia did is Olivia put love into the equation. Love was never part That's of the equation. True. Now that she realizes that her husband is capable of love and is and sees that he has this for another person, it highlights that it wasn't part of their relationship. Mm. That was fine as long as neither one of them had it because you're you're in it for for a common good and you're both sacrificing something. Now he's able to get love even though it's obviously strained and it's you know it's just beyond his reach. But he's he's had it at least for a time period in those one moment, one minute. That I think is where it, it is the divide. Number one, number two, I really think that this pregnancy has pregnancies are always a beginning, right? It's a new birth. It, it's it's a reclaiming of something, right? A, a re-foundation. And I think that basically she's realizing that the foundation was never there. Right. Or at least this next chapter, whatever was before is no longer. And this new chapter, there is absolutely nothing. And and also he actually blamed um, Olivia for this pregnancy when they yeah, were on the phone he conversation. He blamed her. What was also interesting when the, in the limo scene is Melly said the same thing that Fitz said to Olivia when they were on the phone. Yeah, somebody left that in he the comments. Said, yeah. He said, uh, Fitz says, tell me, uh, I see you have it there. Uh, tell me, uh, tell me what to do and I'll do it. 
Mm-hmm. Olivia said to fix the autopsy. When Nelly said it, I think it kind of hit him like, oh, my God, that's the same thing that I, I just said to my to my girlfriend. And then you saw he took her hand and he kind of just consoled her. I see, but you know, I, I, I'm going to go back a little bit because like Sophia said, they were in a limo and, and she, you know, she was having this moment. But she did not say we used to love each other. Mm-hmm. She said we were friends. We were part. We've always been partners. Um, so you have to forgive me. Yada, yada, yada. She never said we were in love. You loved me. I loved you. We had love. This family was built on love. Anything about love. The word love did not well, come up. No, no. Camelia is 100 percent correct. And not only that, she that literally paused. She, there was a long pause that literally highlighted that void in what Camelia yeah, saying. She did not say anything about love. Vu. And no. when he gave her. You know, the hug and the kiss, he went back to idle position. He went back to one, and she was like expecting that speech to give her the love. Oh, but she didn't, like, they didn't acknowledge it. She looked dejected. Like, Mm -hmm. she looked dejected. She literally looks like someone who has literally poured out their heart and literally thought they were going to connect in that moment. And let's also preface, like, he kissed her on the forehead, Mm -hmm. which can be very condescending. Mm -hmm. And even that whole, I forgive you. He was actually forgiving her as the president of the United States of America, not as fits her husband. Like, it seemed very pastoral. Yeah. seemed very much like a p- priest. Like, I forgive you, a domine. Sorry, let me not do that. But <laughs> it really it really wasn't connected. And I, I completely agree with you. I think she was left dejected. You saw it in her physicality. And she was uncomfortable and had to literally move herself back to her original position, but I think she now realizes she's in a worse position than she ever was yes. because even the partnership isn't there. Right. I think she thought that whatever they had before, now she realizes not even that exists. I think he only forgave her because it hit when she said the same thing that he said to Olivia. Well, I don't even know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, so. I don't buy that. And I, and I hear you and everyone, I've seen all the comments and the only reason I don't think that is that he would have. He's he's brilliant. Like Fitz's character is so. I don't. It, it knows how to maneuver and knows how to manipulate a situation. In that moment, if he literally thought, "Okay, she's saying what I just thought of my said to my girlfriend," and that potentially she's eavesdropping, he would have handled it better. He wouldn't have simply said, "You're forgiven," and moved back. He was really saying you're forgiven. I think it was just words. Like, he wasn't actually even forgiving her. He was literally just like, um, we're going to go back. Like, sometimes we're nice to each other. Sometimes we're not. That's part of our dysfunctional relationship. But I still still don't think that that, even though I think the words are important, I think they're important because it ties scenes together in the same way that, you know, Quinn asked for one minute. I think the same thing, reason that she asked what, um, you know, what can I do? I'll do it. I think it shows that, even though there's not love in their relationship, it was the love of the partnership. And it shows that she's still vested. Yes, she so still she was that. still asking for it. And he basically was like, I'm, I'm over you. I All think right. that's that's why it was tied together. That's why they both asked for it. Because or, basically, Fitz is basically still committed to Olivia. And Olivia wants, and we'll touch upon this, she wants with every ounce of her being to push him away. And it's literally that there's a force of nature stronger than her that she can't do it. So basically, I think that's why it's showing... Fitz's connection to Olivia and Melly's connection to Fitz. That's kind of the direction. And I think that's why that, that phrase was in both scenes. And when they went back to their corners in the car, to me, I took it as that was the position they've been in this whole relationship. She was expecting, though, this speech to have some, like, endearing power and it was going to bring them together. But when he went back to his corner, that was a natural position for him. Mm-hmm. That was natural. That was normal. Go back to, yeah, I'll hug you. Oh, cool. I forgive you. Back to one. That was, like, that's why she was awkward to me. Not because it was, you know, it was a gap. I, I, I do agree, but I think on his part, he went back to that because to him it was like, this is what we've been doing. Right. We've That's been, a very good point. We, we, we talk, cool, I go back to my room, you go back to yours. And I still have my chick on the side. Yeah. But you know what also... My side piece. You know, <laughs> before we move on, we, what, I, what I also think is very interesting is she's pregnant. And he does not spare his feelings whatsoever to a pregnant woman. Because, because it was a, because she calls it America's baby. Right. She doesn't, she it's doesn't all even political. talk about this baby like she really loves it. If you don't... Then, to, to a man, if you don't talk about my baby like you love it, then I'm going to assume that you don't love me and you don't love that we created the baby. And he blames the baby on 
he said olivia this was your doing but she i don't even think that she likes the baby i think she likes it and she's like yeah she likes the power yeah, of she's it like, she that's why the she's idea. always rubbing it but because yeah. she knows what it does to and people. and remember in last episode he was the one who said it's not america's baby we made this baby and she goes no fits and she has a long monologue no mm-hmm. th- so he's like okay cool like basically in a weird way he follows her lead. Like, and I think Camelia's right. Just because they have a moment in the limo, he basically is going to fall back to their normal position. And their normal position is basically you're an ornament. Mm. I run this country. I'm not going to talk to you about anything. Like, you do your little whatever ornamental things that you're supposed to do. And that's it. You know, I'm done with you. And I definitely think, though, that the pregnancy, that was the last straw for him. Any, any semblance of partnership they had is gone and I think it's worse than not liking I think he doesn't respect her and I think respect is you can you can love someone and not like them in the moment but you still respect them and that dictates how you interact with them which is the difference between him and Olivia versus with Melly I think he doesn't even respect her just quickly before we go to Olitz um when you brought up the comment as far as Melly saying the same thing as what Fitz said to Olivia on YouTube, though, I just want to hear your opinions. The commenter said that she, in her mind, thought it was conspiracy where Melly was the one that could potentially be tapping into the phone. Oh, yeah. I think that's what Bam was trying to say. Yeah. Go ahead. So do you guys think that that could be the case or is it just a coincidence? You never know because or, on the preview for next, right. the next episode, she kind of threatened him and said, if you see her again, I'm going to destroy you. Right basically insinuating that I've seen you after we had our initial blowout. So you're still hanging out with her. Keep doing it. And I'm going to drop this bomb on you. But then also she doesn't have to um, listen uh, to the phone tap conversations. You could see right through Fitz that he loves that girl. That's true. But the phone tap will be physical. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think with this situation, I think it is just a coincidence. The secondary question of whether or not Melly has the potential or potentially is involved in that next wiretapping, I think there is a potential. Yeah. But I think that the actual statement was a coincidence. I think, okay. I, uh, yeah, I agree. Well, let's talk about Olitz. Uh, <laughs> we have this first phone call, and it starts with 23 people because she's saying, you know, every time you stay late in the office, there's 23 hardworking Americans who have to stay in the office so that you can talk to your, your little chick on the side. Let's stop calling her the chick on no, the no, side. But, Sorry. But like, on some what? real, like, but, I mean, I know I've been bashing a, a Olivia, Olivia all, she, all recap. She is not the chick on the side. Like, let's, no. But she, Girlfriend or mistress but, is an appropriate term, not chick on the side. But in, that, but in that conversation, she actually said something in regards to, um, she she referenced to him that she was the ex-girlfriend. She mm-hmm. she didn't she, did. she, yeah. she called herself the ex-girlfriend. So Well, know. she called him her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, something like that, yeah. A side, <laughs> a side piece. Yeah. Okay. But yes, I think but, but I think I, mean, but, I think it's very endearing though. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, I think because, you know, I think there's a certain aspect of the relationship which is always tension, so that's mm-hmm. how they always have to start it off. I think that's just normal for them. So the fact that she's saying all of these people have to, you know, stay at work in order for you to talk to me. And we're going to see this kind of as I think the season unfolds. I have to know who is Olivia. Because let's just take this in a vacuum. I think there's a certain aspect that Olivia doesn't think that she's worthy. Yes, I think that there's an aspect of it because he's married. So she thinks that obviously they're doing something wrong. But there's also Uh, something. No, no. (laughs) Listen to me for a second. There's a difference even with Melly. Because obviously Melly is wrong too. Like Melly has done things that we, I think, have not yet even disclosed that she has done. So even when she asks for forgiveness, there's things that we yet don't know about. But I think that Olivia doesn't think she's worthy of love and so even not worthy that 23 people had to stay up for the man that she loved to talk to her. And I think we'll see this a little bit later in the, in the episode, but even when Melly had the conversation with uh, Mrs. Drake and as the door opened and Melly's leaving and Olivia basically comes around the door and she does the doe eyes like she normally does, there was a moment that I wanted to say, Olivia, give her an evil look. Yes, you are cheating or have cheated with a married man, right? But at the end of the day, Melly was complicit with it. Do right. you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you stopped it. You saved his presidency, not just for you, but more importantly for Melly, and you dealt with her. Stop this secondary role posture that you take with Melly. Like, notice when Melly and Olivia, that is the, the most non-dominant 
Olivia always is. She she almost wants to look at the ground like she's being reprimanded. That's part of why she's messing up. That is not organic to her character, but yet it is. And I think that comes from something in her background of, again, everyone, you give to the world what you want. Right. So if she fixes everyone else, it's really because she wants to be fixed. She obviously was a fixer before mm. fits. Do you know what I mean? Like you, if you lord compliments on people, it's because that's what you want. That's just what people do. You project. So I think there's an underlying aspect of why there's the connection with fits, but why she somehow doesn't step into it. Like there's a certain moment and I know I'm going to take this back probably in other recaps. Screw it. You love him. Do it. Like, on some real bull... Like, this, this, this... No, this limbo is <laughs> even worse. Because I think that's why there's the tension. Because there's intimacy in the conversations. And you can tell that right when it's starting to get intimate, that's when she has to stop mm-hmm. it and go, how's your pregnant wife? Right. Do you know I mean? She has to throw something in there because she has to break that tension because it feels too normal. It feels too real. It feels like they're a couple in love. I so disagree with that. And I'm sorry. She is the man's married. I don't care how you put it. He is married. And I don't think that she should stand up and give, you know, give her some look. She she should feel guilty. She should feel, uh, she should feel guilty for what she's doing. The man is still married. If it was a different situation, we would think of Olivia as a skank or, or, or any other name for what she's doing. And because of the situation that she's in, we think it's beautiful. We think it's romantic. But the reality is, if you were the wife, how would you feel regardless of if you who cares? So what? How would how would you got how would you feel if you were the but, wife? But it goes back to what Sophie was saying. And I think that's the whole issue with this It's not as if it was a. Uh, a blind item where the wife didn't know what was going on. The wife encouraged what was going on to keep her husband happy. So that's where I think the line is drawn because it's not a happy medium. Like she knows at one point Melly was okay with this. Now Melly's saying, I want my man back. The man still doesn't want Melly. But was she ever, oh, she wasn't really okay oh, with it. When yeah. she found out, she said, This is why. This is why we're in this situation. I'm taking my husband back. And when she said that, what I got from it was, that's it. But she never had her husband is the point. But to Melly, she had him because there was never another woman. He would have found somebody else like Amanda Tanner. No, 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 no. I I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Amanda Tanner really only came into the situation because of Olivia. Because because at the end of the day, they they were going. And like I said, there was no love in the marriage. So at the end of the day, that was a sacrifice they both made. The fact that Olivia came into play, yes, Olivia... In the fact that he fell in love with her, he was able to exude the man that he was meant to be and therefore to become president. So I think that Melly was okay with that aspect. That at the end of the day, her her goal in getting with Fitz was to be the first lady, number one. But more importantly, to be the first lady because of the secondary, her secondary chapter. Like, let's look at normal history, and we're in a completely new century, and first ladies are now actually having a place at the table beyond their husband's presidential candidacy. And I think that's where the story's going. I think she sees that slipping, and I think that's why she had to take her husband back. But I think that, to Bam's point, life isn't perfect, right? And I think that at the end of the day, Olivia does herself a disservice, and she's almost paying penance. Penance. People make mistakes all the time, right? And you you repent for them, and you you know, say that you're going to be a better person and you actually try to be a better person. I think that Olivia is trying, but she's actually trying too hard instead of simply living. And at the end of the day, they had an agreement. There's no reason that Melly needs to keep like sliding her in the way that she does. And the way she takes it, I'm not a fan of it. Even if she just held herself up and looked her straight in the eye, I'd be fine with that. But I don't like the submissive posture she takes with Melly. Like, I really need her not to give her a side eye, but I need her to stand up like an independent, confident woman who makes her own decisions and is not just letting things happen around her. And I feel like that's what Olivia is doing right now. She's just letting things happen around her. See, I'm going to take it back. I disagree about the the theory that Olivia kind of feels like she's unworthy. Olivia carries herself like that girl who has been hurt too many times. Like the way she deals with bits, you can tell in the past, this from what I take, 
she's been she's been down this road, probably not with a cheat, like, you know, with a married man. But when you know what love feels like and you know it hurts, you kind of want to pull yourself away so it won't happen again. So when she kind of, you know, she's fighting that feeling with Fitz because at the because at the end of the day, he is married and she really has no rights. And it played out in this episode when the when Pastor Drake's mistress went through what she was going through. She doesn't really have anything to hold on to or to show for. But on the flip side with Melly, I think when Melly has this cocky attitude and when she holds her belly all the time and when Olivia comes around, she keeps, you know, giving her that eye. Melly's going to keep doing that until Olivia goes away, regardless of if she was cool with the relationship, if it was, you know, said if it was beneficial to her being the first lady, whatever the point is, this woman has the heart of my husband, even though we're cool and we didn't have a real relationship. He's still my man. So every time I see you, I'm going to rub my stomach. I'm going to give you the side eye and I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable Mm. because you are the cause of my marriage being in shambles worse than it was already in shambles. I think for Olivia, what I see when she kind of takes that, you know, inferior look because she feels guilty, but because she kind of knows that's his wife. And I don't I have his heart, but I don't have a place. She doesn't have a seat at the table and she won't. And to her, she can't because of the speech that Cyrus gave her a long time ago. You know, like when he said great men, you know, they're not going to be happy. They're going to they're meant to be great. Fitz can't leave his wife right now in the as the the president and get with Olivia. So Olivia knows it's not going anywhere. Um, Also, because we're going to this is a kind of a good way to to go into the funeral. When Olivia walked in, when Olivia walked in behind Elise Neal, Elise Neal's character with the son, for me, as I watched it um, the second time, I saw loneliness mm. in Olivia's eyes. Everywhere she shows up, she's by herself. She doesn't have a man. She doesn't have a person. She doesn't even have a girlfriend. She's lonely. And when she walked behind Elise Neal and the little boy, and then she sat behind him, here she is. I mean, although it's a funeral, but she was lonely. She was by herself. And yeah, Fitz did give her the look or whatever, but Olivia's lonely. But I think, I think let's not dismiss the look. I think that what you said is extremely astute, but I think that lonely isn't the appropriate word. I think alone okay. is the alone. word. She's alone. And, and I think that when Fitz looked at her, I think that's why, you know, Fitz kept his gaze and, you know, she looked at him for a minute and then, you know, this scene kind of people come in between them, which I think is figurative and literal, um, and then she's no longer there. But Fitz is still holding his gaze because I think that Fitz is like, I'm going to love this woman regardless. And I think that just jumping back real quick to, you know, the earlier phone calls, you know, when when she basically says, like, he asked, like, what should I, what can I do? And she was like, let me go. And he's like, anything but that. Like, I think she she needs him to let her go. I mean, I think she knows it can't keep going because all they're going to do is exist in this angst. And I think that it was, it was very profound that not only was she physically seated close to the mistress, I think it was worse that she was behind the mistress. So that mistress in fact did have a seat at the table because that mistress actually has a child. child. So at the end of the day, even if um, pastor Drake's wife had not taken her hand, she had a place at the table because she had a child. But more importantly, when the pastor took her hand, she had a place at the table. And then as they walk out, Melly again, doesn't even acknowledge her. But again, Fitz, Fitz can't help himself because his attraction and his love for Olivia, I think, is is soul to soul. And again, I think that she, it's almost, it's that blank stare that communicates so much, but she's not making eye contact with him because she knows that she can't, just like Cornelia said, and just like I think that you're you're inferring, Bam, that she's alone. And I think that this this love that is just on the other side that she can't reach is actually making it worse. I think she was in a better situation before that she was married to her job, as we found out in season one, that, you know, she's basically like a political nun. That was good because that's what she could control. And again, people who fix things, it's because they can control other people's lives because their own lives and their own emotions are not something that they basically can fix. Fitz has highlighted that in her emotional existence, she is exact the exact opposite persona than her fixer persona. Yeah, and going back to the alone thing, you when you're in love with someone, you're happy, you know, you feel good. 
But I don't know if you've ever been in love with someone and felt alone at the same time. Mm. There's no feeling like it. You love someone, but yeah. guess what? I'm by myself. Well, let me pull these blankets up <laughs> over my uh, body and, and go to sleep alone. Now, even when you see her in the bed, when he calls her the first and the, well, the second time when mm-hmm. she had her, her pajamas on was watching TV, she looked really sad. Yeah. It was nighttime. She knew he was going to call because the day before he said, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Same time. She looked really sad because this guy was going to call her, but yet I'm still alone and you're there working and, but I, but again i think and i think though it's it's i think it's alone and i think it's all of those emotions it's sadness i think it's anger and i think that's why you know i think it was it was the the second phone call where basically like then she tells him to shut down the autopsy and she yells at him it's the first time that we've really seen specifically with Fitz Olivia get that animated and angry and i think she was really angry because Two two sentences before, two phrases before, not only did she ask him basically to let her go, but right in between that, that's when he has to mention that Melly will be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So again, she's basically like, let me go. And he's like, no. And then here comes the wife. So I think it's that agitation where it's like, oh, my God, she really feels like, well, what can I do? Because I cannot remove myself from this situation. So I need to try to do everything in my power to push this man away. And that for that 20 second where she kind of blew up at him, that was her attempt to do that, even though those weren't her words. Her words were like, you know, shut it down, you know, stop the autopsy. But I think in her emotion, that's what she was really trying to say to him is, please let me go. I can't keep doing this because it's I think it's really I think it's killing her because their intimacy is too real. And I think that makes it worse. Well, I mean, so for the third phone call, she doesn't answer the phone, which I think isn't going to help at all because just shutting him out like that isn't going to work. But that's the, that's... It works for me. <laughs> if you don't, if you love someone, let them go. And but, if they call you, act like you didn't get the voicemail. Right, but it's... Act like you didn't all, see all, the text message. Although she didn't, although she didn't answer... Her feel, you know, it's gonna be a minute before she can let, like, before she can let this go. But you know, it killed her not to answer the phone just as much as it killed her, uh, 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 not you know to answer the phone. So it, she, she would have been torn either way. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. When I watched it the first time, I think I literally screamed, "Don't answer the phone!" Because as a girl, I was like, "Yeah, don't do it." Like you're, you're too available for him. Like he basically, he's not getting his cake and eating it too, but he is. Like even, even like there's a there's a bravado. He's like, okay, I'll call you tomorrow. Like, it's kind of like, this is what I'm going to do. It's very very confident. confident. Um, And and obviously asks her, what can I do? And she tells him, and he basically says no. But I think that the way that the scene pauses, like, she reaches for the remote, and it seems like she's pressing mute. So we actually don't know whether or not she answered the phone call. That's number Mm. one. But number two, I really think... How do I even explain it? She needs to be the one to actually stop the relationship. If not, she's not taking control back. Do you know what I mean? She's still allowing him to dictate what happens. I think that then it's still that you were just his mistress and you had no, you had no place at the table. If you don't have a place at the table, do it because you removed yourself. That's the only way I think she's going to regain control and regain who she is in the totality as as Olivia. She has to be the one to do it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think just in the same way like Huck, I think that what they have is an addiction and I think it's going to have to hit rock bottom before it it gets any better. And at the end of the day, I think that there's a certain intersection of love that is selfless and selfish. And I think that the underlying theme is that love can forgive mistakes. And that's why Fitz completely blames her for the pregnancy, but still loves her. Okay. We we got news and gossip that we need to get before we, um, um, does anybody have news and gossip? I have the ratings and... What's uh, the ratings? Yeah. Oh. Um, so... After uh, Buzz TV News. <laughs> After Buzz TV News. Okay, so episode two of Scandal, the ratings went down just a little bit. Um, they were 2.1 in demographics from 18 to 49, and so they had a total of 5.56 million viewers. So they were down 18% from the first week, which was 6.74 million viewers. So that sucks, but 
I am more than confident that the ratings will continue to boost and we're going to have a full season two. Also, Kerry Washington was on Wendy Williams this, uh, the, earlier this week on Monday. And one of the questions that Wendy asked her was, who was uh, Kerry's favorite person that she likes to follow on um, Twitter? And she likes to follow David. What's David's real name? Joshua, Joshua Molina. Molina. So her favorite person in the world of Twitter, she likes to um, she likes to follow him because she said he is the most meanest person <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> that you will ever imagine. She says that he's even mean to his kids, and and we've actually <laughs> we've actually off camera we've actually talked about his tweets are a little. Um, he, he has no, no filter. Yeah, he, he has, has, no has he has no filter. So I thought that was really interesting. Of all the people uh, that she likes to follow, it's uh, it's is Anthony Molina. So, but the ratings, you know, I'm confident that the ratings are going to go up. What do you guys think? They're definitely going to go up. And you know, as we've seen before, this is a show where it might start off slow, but the scandal is coming. The big scandal is coming. The big reveal. So I can't wait. But I know Sophia has some shout outs mm-hmm. we want to get to. Yes, and obviously, just so that you guys know, they are all of our shout outs. I'm just I think the one that does scandal pace a little bit quicker than everybody else. So these are our shout-outs. We're going to start with iTunes, Latoya Matthews, DC Hoya Gal, Buzzin B, Law2, Dax Tremi, Trelly77, Scandalous Beauty, Denzia08. So thank you, iTunes comments. Literally, obviously, we read them. We talk amongst ourselves on what we can do better, and we answer questions. Twitter, DGreen1980, Sabia Karuja, Atreides, ATR. E-I-D-E-S, or I'm going to mess up names. Liz Lee Ifyong, Watchtower Base, Teresa 1985-25, L Greathead, Toy Toy 226, T underscore dot underscore lane, Cool Clemson Girl, Ayana Monique, Pope Associate, How Cute Twitter, Pope Associate, Bayesian Gladiator, Boop Boop, no, sorry, um, A-Line Barger, Black <laughs> underscore Rapunzel, I think we have a couple of Rapunzels in the house. Um, thank you, Twitter people. You guys were so great on telling us that we needed to do another show. And last but not least, we have YouTube. Christy D, Love M Booth 1, Mary Lee Bone 69, Alero 2010, Sweet Tangalesh, Who is Obsessed, Seattle Gal, SF Stewart, Candle Canada Loves Scandal ABC, this next one, I don't even know if I can do. <laughs> um, I'm just going to have to spell it. C-U-D-F-H-A-D-U-G-H-Y-H-U-H-U-H-U-Y-G-U-A. Did Woo! you mix up the alphabet one? I did. I mean, that's that's their that's their username. And the last one is um, Aaliyah Lee 3. And she was the one who actually um, mentioned to me that Quinn does not have a sister. I misspoke. Um the the person reference was actually her dad's um, the dad's girlfriend and not the sister. So thank you so much for that correction. Um, and, and I have one more yes, shout yes, out. Yes. I got an email um, from a follower of our Scandal Afterbus who also watches my Chasing the L.A. series, Channing Hargrove. I said I would give you a special shout out. So thank you for watching both things. Um, what's up? Oh, and I have one more. Um, uh, there was a screenshot of Kerry Washington during um, a Today Show episode with Ken, Ken Pavez, and I tweeted about it, and he tweeted back, and he said that not only does he love Kerry Washington. He also loves Scandal. So gladiators are everywhere. Celebs, non-celebs, hairdressers, non-hairdressers. Everybody <laughs> loves Scandal. Gladiators are everywhere. So again, gladiators, thank you so very much. In Australia, in Africa, I think we have in South America and Latin America, it's starting to um, season one premiering um, in England. So gladiators globally, we love you. Bonjour, ciao, adios, hola. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's go to predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. So, um, what do we think is going to... I already said with Huck, it's... Obviously, we all said it's going to go rock bottom to a point that I don't think any of us are going to be able to handle. I agree. I agree. You can only... You have to hit bottom before you can even think about making your way up. And the hook has no help, no friend in sight. So the only thing left for him to do is go down. He can't control himself. Olivia, I feel as if maybe her associates are going to turn against her because she doesn't start telling people what's going on. She has David after her. She has Abby after her. Somebody's going to start questioning. Or they're already starting, but I think it's going to be a really downward spiral for her because she needs to step into the place but also realize that she's Olivia Pope, but she's not God. I think at one point, Abby's going to get the boot from 
Olivia Pope and Associates. Mm. Not permanently, mm. but because Olivia is so stressed out and Abby is the one picking at her and she's causing the trouble with everyone else, I think it may be an argument down the road, later down the road, where it's, you know what, Abby, you can go. Oh. Because she's becoming the bad apple, but she's not bad. She's just pointing out the obvious. Mm-hmm. Quinn? For me, the lady, the lady in the restaurant, when she was talking to her dad, mm-hmm. she was a different kind of nosy. You know, it's one thing if I see you two at a restaurant and I'm trying to figure out, okay, are you guys brothers and sisters? Are you talking? What's going on? So I'm going to just kind of give a nosy look. That lady was so, like, she was, like, in their face. And the look that she was given, I think that lady knows something or she recognizes Quinn. And maybe she's going to have something to do in a later episode in regards to Quinn's situation. But she was just too damn nosy and she was right in their face. I totally disagree with you. I'm going to take it, take it really quick. They're in their hometown of Oakland. That's where she grew up. Obviously, she's a Molotov, um, Molotov mistress, right? So they obviously remember her from, from, from that case. Then, fast forward two years, you have a national trial of that same person on national TV. Look at the, all the TV shows that we see right now in terms of trials. So she totally knows who she is, but she knows her as the person who got away with killing seven people in their town, and she presumably knows them. We will never see her again. And then what about our love triangle? Uh. I mean, I think I think just from the previews, I think it's going to get bad because I think that they're going to, and it's and it's just a normal amount of tension. There's there's no way that they can just be friends. Even in the episode, he says, you know, she goes, "We're not friends." He goes, "We are," and she goes, "We're not." And he's like, "We're good friends." It's better if they don't talk, and that's why for two years, when she or whenever she left the White House, they didn't have any interaction. That's the only way that they can be. They can't exist in limbo without them taking it further. And as we've seen before, when they take it further, what happens? Something bad happened. Yeah. So something bad is coming. They need to leave each other alone. But she needs to stop. Stop answering the phone, girl. Stop. <laughs> I don't think. Mess. Stop it. Yeah. They'll. There's. A, there's going to be a connection just because of him, the president. They're going to need some. One of them are going to need each other's help. And so something with business, and eventually it will get personal. And I don't think that Fitz is going to give up. So any yeah, chance that he that. gets the call to, you know, hide behind the camera to, you know, get a little he's not going to stop. And it goes back quickly. It goes back to when Olivia gave him advice regarding the Sudan thing, saying you don't let somebody else tell you when to start the war. You start the war when you want to start the war. It goes back. He's not going to let the relationship stop until he's ready for it to stop. I agree. That's, that's my, actually a great point. That's my and profound point a, for the And night. now he's a president. So he's like a little I'm getting into my scandal at the end of the show. Perfect. Anyway, but we will see you guys next week. Tell us where you can find you. Hey, guys. Hey, Erickson. At Sophia Stanley. At Cornelia. At Emilio E. Jr. and ChasingLA.com. And we will see you guys same time, same place next week. We love you, Gladiators. Continue to go to iTunes, rate, comment, subscribe, and share. And, yeah. Oh, and once more, if you missed last week's episode, we had Elise Neal, and we discussed the whole Pastor Drake storyline. So don't think we omitted a storyline. You can check it out from last week. AfterBuzzTV.com. That's it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, Gladiators. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.